truly at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, you can hear from Dr. Elizabeth Freights, a clinical assistant professor at Harvard Medical School, who was actually afraid of dogs until she was eight years old, but is now definitely a convert. A dog helps with whole person wellness. It helps the body, the mind, and the spirit. Plus, we'll be catching up on how one photographer took on black dog syndrome and how our very own black dog, Buddy, has had a few issues of his own. But before all that, we have an interview with Chris Kent, who's the project founder and program lead of the Canine Project. Here's Chris to tell you more about just what the Canine Project is. Okay, so the Canine Project is um, a non-profit organisation. We're not a registered charity. We were aiming to be a social enterprise. And I guess our strapline is kind of people helping dogs, helping people, helping dogs. So it's about getting the bond between people and dogs and kind of using that, I suppose, in a really positive way to create good opportunities for both. Mm. So pretty much we do all kinds of things that, as long as it fits that criteria, really. Um, So we do what, we've got some services, which are what I call people-facing, so they start with the person, and the dogs help us provide um, education activities or therapeutic programs, which benefit the people, Obviously, they also must benefit the dog as well for them to be involved in it. But then we also have services which are about dog welfare. Um, and the same thing's true of that. You go out and you work in a family to try and help the dog, but actually you're helping the people as well. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is such a strong bond between humans and dogs. And we know, you know very well that dogs are very good for us. Dogs seem to get a benefit from being around us as well. Um, mm. So, And it's, it's, as you say, that bond is so strong and it can do marvellous things, can't it? It can indeed. And I think, I think for me, with my background is kind of social work, mostly in criminal justice and adolescent family support, but also fostering adoption, children in care, you know, children that have been abused, neglected, children that don't do very well at school, children with special needs, that's, and their families. And and I guess that, yes, it's great what dogs can do for us as dog owners, um, you know, like our own dogs that we share our lives yeah. with, just enrich and enhance our lives. But I guess I'd always been looking to explore the possibility of the fact that even dogs that are not yours can help you have a better time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we use our own dogs on the project mostly. Um, and And... I guess that's really surprising. Not everybody can have a dog. You know, lots of the children we work with don't have dogs. They might have had dogs. They no longer have them. They always miss them. And also sometimes dogs in a family don't give the children what they need at that particular time. Mm. Sometimes they do. And that's, you know, there are a million and one fabulous stories about, you know, dogs and children bonding and all that. But sometimes they don't. So, again, sometimes they get something from our dogs that perhaps they don't even get from their own dogs as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, because uh, you, you've got quite a few um, projects within the Canine Project. So mm. um, tell me about um, Canine Confidence. Okay, so Canine, what we've done with all the programs we run, when I first started up in 2008, I kind of thought we'd probably have four or five different programs and we'd just go out and easily roll along, just keep delivering them, obviously changing them, but but that there'd be a core thing and, and everything would be quite easy. And, yeah, it's not worked like that at all. <laughs> Wherever we go, whoever speaks to us, they normally want something slightly different. So on the website, I have tried to kind of bracket things under loose headings. And canine confidence is basically the generic term for working with young people. Hmm. So um, we mostly work providing animal-assisted education and activities. Obviously, they have a therapeutic benefit, but we do a lot of group work, so they might not be therapy in quite the very traditional way of describing that, really. Um, So it's really about bringing young people and dogs together because that makes a pretty good team, really. Um, And I think working with the dogs works especially well for children who don't have um, very much self-confidence. Yes, yes. So we've worked in schools where we're working with the children who are bullied 
We've also done work with children who are bullies because mm. often they're one and the same. Um, and they may, may bully for the same reason, which is actually they don't have a lot of confidence. So um, just working with the dogs, being around the dogs, the dog dogs creating that totally non-judgmental kind of acceptance for children is really huge. And, and that's a really powerful part of that. I mean, sometimes we do dog activities, but other times... We're talking about something completely different, but the dogs are there. So if young people get uncomfortable, they can go and talk to the dog or stroke the dog or the dog senses it sometimes and trots over and sticks their head underneath somebody's hand kind of thing, you know. So so it's a very free-flowing kind of process. But at the same time, we can use understanding dogs and learning about being a responsible dog owner, empathy, kindness, patience. We can teach all of that as well. Because yeah. for some of the young people we work with, that might not be the model that they've got at home. So we can try and encourage and develop that. Um, and yeah. we talk a lot about kindness. For many yeah. of these young people, uh, particularly those that come from really difficult backgrounds, they might not have had the opportunity to be kind to other people. Mm. And in school, maybe the teachers are kind to them. Maybe they're not sometimes. But, yes, but it's that whole bit about being kind to each other. So we develop almost like a tag teacher point system sometimes for being kind. So we sometimes start every session about, you know, what does kindness mean? Can you think of an example when you've been kind this week or someone's been kind to you? How did that make you feel? But it all kind of starts by being, how can we be kind to the Cassie who's with us today? You know, how can we be kind to her and make sure she has a good time? So then they can say, well, we won't shout and we won't wander up and, you know, that kind of thing. So that works really well with the younger children. By the time you get to teenagers, you have to be a little bit more sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's obviously working because I've had a look on the website and there's a lovely quote um, to do with your canine confidence course. And it's a quote from um, a young lad called Jamie. Oh, right, Jamie, yeah. Who's uh, 16, and, and it's it's really good because he's put, I blame you all, really. Before I came to this project, I didn't do anything. I didn't speak to anyone, go anywhere, get involved in anything. Now I'm writing songs, taking photos, doing stand-up comedy in front of the class. Other people are asking me to write songs. Definitely your fault. <laughs> so, I mean, that is a lovely success story, and yeah. that he knows the journey he's been on is mm. is lovely. Yeah, no, it's great, and... And Jamie was a real classic because um, when he for the first time he came into the group, he didn't say a word. Yeah. And I had a picture, and I talk about him quite a lot in my book that I've just written with his permission. But I sadly don't have the before photo because the before photo is a lad with his shoulders hunched up to his ears and a kind of a squint on his face as he stares at the ceiling. And and on the other end of a lead is a dog that's actually straining to get away from him oh. to go and talk to two other children. Well, children, they were teenagers then, like 14-year-olds as they were then. Yeah. The dog's trying to get away from him to engage with somebody else who's actually engaged with the dog because yeah. Jamie was so far out of it, he just wasn't involved at all. Mm. And yes, by the end of it. I didn't even like dogs particularly. I don't think it was even that he really... I mean, he did grow to love owls, but again, his dad had guard dogs, German shepherds, that were kept outside, that weren't family pets. He was actually quite frightened of them. Mm. They weren't, you know, probably weren't going to give him the kinds of things that our dogs would give him. And so for him to to kind of end up walking our Taz, our Rottweiler cross Mastiff, and getting him to do agility and things, and the dog going, yeah, okay, I'll do anything you say, was a huge boost for him. Yeah. And he yeah. started speaking, and yeah. he started joining in. And, he, and the picture of him at the end of the project is him kind of sat back in a chair with his shoulders wide and a huge smile on his face, and everybody giving him a round of applause. Yeah. And it is just really beautiful, because he just, you know, yeah, and he's gone on, gone from strength to strength and doing all kinds of things now, you know. And yeah. Yeah, it was really... Yeah, it was really good, good progress for him and a good story. And yeah, he knew that we'd had quite a lot to do with it. Yeah. And he had a wicked sense of humour. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, standing up in front of a whole class telling jokes, you know. Yeah, bless He'd him. never have done that. Yeah. yeah. And he started off being our photographer. You know, yeah. Because he couldn't join in, we gave him a camera. Yeah. And he took photos. So that was, again, another way. And yeah. he's got his own website now and goes out oh. and does photos for other people. So. Yeah. So, mm. again, I guess that's part of your being really responsive to the people that you're dealing with. So, 
to, to say to him, no, you have to be part of it, just wouldn't have worked, would it? So no, no. you let him stay within his comfort zone. Yeah. And then he could progress. Yeah. And then you can get him out of his comfort zone a little bit, into the stretch zone, without launching him into a complete panic. Yeah. You know, we use that comfort zone model quite a lot and talk because, you know, it kind of works for, I do, do a lot with horses as well, and it works a lot for horses and dogs, you know. Yes. If you yeah. put someone in a panic, they're not going to learn. Yeah. They're going to be defensive, they're going to be scared, their brains are not going to function, they're not going to learn anything new. So we, and we use the model with the young people and, and, and get them to identify what's in their comfort zone, what might be in their stretch zone, what's in their panic zone, how yeah. they're going to let us know if they're panicking, and what things we can encourage them very gently to do to get into their stretch zones and then very quickly back into their comfort zone. So we do that whole kind of approach and retreat little bits at a time. One step into the stretch, back into your comfort. Yeah. So we don't overface anyone. Yeah. And then occasionally we kind of throw them in at the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> but have a dog to calm them down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like Fear Lou, we also talk about in the book, who I've known for a long while now, who's one of our volunteers now. And he ended up standing on stage. Again, he never used to leave his house. He was um, depressed and suicidal and didn't go anywhere, stayed home seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, and he ended up giving a talk about the project and the work he'd done on the project in front of 100 people. Mm. And that was a bit, that was a big stretch for him. I mean, he was happy to do it, but he had one of our dogs with him. Yeah, yeah. On stage, and he said, I felt a lot better because I thought they were all going to be looking at him, not me. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> T- tell me a little bit more about the dogs that, that, you, that you use. That... Okay, yeah. All of our dogs are ex-rescue dogs. yeah. So we have six, um, and they're all very, very different, all very, very different, and all offer different things to the program, really. Mm. Um, Some offer more than others, to be honest, and and we're very clear about only trying to get them to do what is good for them. I mean, Mm. I'm very hot on the fact that there has to be something in it for the dogs as well, really. So um, we've got Billy, who's a Border Collie, He was brought over from Ireland and came from a rescue close to us. We don't really know anything much about Billy. Um, We can assume he was brought up somewhere very quiet because he's absolutely petrified of any loud noise whatsoever, Mm -hmm. um, which is a bit unfortunate here because we have shooting all through the winter regularly. So that will send him into a quandary even now, really. Mm. Um, So he's he's quite nervous, and some people might go, oh, you shouldn't use him because he sometimes gets scared. He does, but it's actually helping him get braver. Yes. If I just left him at home, he'd still get scared, but he wouldn't be progressing. And someone met him the other week, one of our lads who actually hadn't seen him for a couple of years, and he was like, oh, wow, he's so much better. Isn't he doing well? And I'm like, oh, that's reassuring because you don't always, you know, I'm constantly questioning myself, should I be using him? Is this still right for him and all that. I'm very careful where I take him. Yeah. Very, very careful where I take him. Um, I wouldn't take him into a classroom full of um, young people with ADHD, for instance. Yes. Because that might be too much for him. But individual work is brilliant for individual programs and groups where you can build them up and say, oh, um, I don't normally bring Billy out because he actually gets very anxious, but because you've all been so nice and kind to each other and to the other dogs, I think I'm, you know, I trust yeah. you, so I'm going to bring him. And, of course, then they're fabulous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, douche. And they tell each other to shut up so they don't scare him. Oh. And, and he's actually quite brave. So he's a really good visual metaphor for bravery, which is not always what young people think that being brave is about. Yeah. Because yes, they being... think being brave is Taz, who's a Rottweiler cross Mastiff. Yeah. And you're like, well, is he brave? Because... Actually, he's not frightened of anything. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's brave about doing stuff that you're really not bothered about. And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so Taz came from the RSPCA. He belonged to a farmer who had five very large dogs. Um, what can we say about Taz? He's, he's a big, powerful dog. He loves people. He loves the work <laughs> he does. Um, and he's fabulous with them. And the great thing is... Uh, when you're working with youth justice lads, we do some work in secure units. To take a Labradoodle in wouldn't really hack it in quite the same way. Yeah. I love Labradoodles, but they're, for, for Taz and Ruby, who's their staffy cross, they're the kind of draw for working in that kind of environment. You know, they almost expect you to have little little dogs and you go in with the staff and um, 
Taz, and they're like, oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah, we we had a staff once, you know, da-da-da. So it's all um, a way of getting a conversation going. So Taz is really, really good for building confidence because he, he behaves himself, he loves what he does. So that, again, builds confidence enormously. Mm. Um, Ruby was a breeding dog. Again, she was in the pound due to be put to sleep. Mm. Um, she'd had pup off, litter after litter after litter after litter. So we use her a lot to talk about not breeding, <laughs> yeah. being careful where you get your dogs from. Um, and we use her and Taz very much for the judging books by, a co- by your cover, you know, and stereotypes in yeah. dogs and in people. And if young people are stereotyped by others just because of the way they look and how old they are. So, so they work really well with that stuff. Ruby doesn't like doing groups much, so she doesn't do them anymore. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but she loves doing one-to-one training and linking in with one person Um, and we've got Izzy who is uh, Izzy Wizzy again she's another pound dog um, duty put to sleep found on the streets she is hyper hyper (laughs) yeah I think she's a Jack Russell Terrier cross with a Springer cross possibly with a healer cross collie cross that's a dynamic dog isn't it it is yeah (laughs) it is a good mix yeah um and yeah intriguingly the girls normally have more patience for her than the boys to be honest um but she's great fun she's again she's a good fun dog some young people can't cope with her because she's not always as obedient as she could be yeah well she she can be but you've got to get it absolutely right with her but actually we've done some really good work with her and adhd children in terms of trying to help them understand their own condition and what goes on and the fact that actually it's as exhausting as it is for them to be whirring around in their head all the time it's the same for Izzy so we teach them a bit of telling some touch and a bit of massage Mm. and she calms down and we get them to control their breathing and slow their breathing down move their hands slowly and then all of a sudden you have a very calm atmosphere and the dog asleep and the young person almost asleep as well so it's about teaching them self-management as well wow that's very powerful isn't it it is powerful yeah that's quite awesome when that happens it yeah makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck it is very powerful um we've got a doberman who we don't use much at the moment he's done a lot in the past he's nearly 11 now um again individual work is fabulous for it gets a bit stressed in in some of the livelier groups now so we don't use him so much mm. um he he kind of does meet and greet stuff but we don't expect him to do a whole bunch really because 11 is quite a good age for a government yes. yeah but, uh, yeah he's we do not and then we have the canine star who's cassie who yes. is um won a heroic hound award last year at the london pet show um mm. and We've had her since she was 12 weeks. It's probably not a coincidence that we, she's the only one we've had since she was 12 weeks old, really. Um, yeah. She's very stable, very securely attached to us, but loves young people. Yeah. And Lovely. she was thrown out of a car um, oh. when she was 12 weeks old and somebody found her and handed her into the RSPCA oh. and we got her straight away. Yeah. So she's a little shepherdy cross dog and yeah. she is fabulous. Yeah, she... She's the best out of all of them at giving young people what they need. Yeah. So we work with a boy with autism who has communication difficulties and he will ignore her a lot and everybody else. And mm. she just quietly persists. You oh. know, if we're going out for a walk and he's 10 feet, 50, he's 19. So, yeah. it, so he walks off in front of us. That's quite safe kind of thing. Yeah. But she goes with him. Yeah. She goes with him, whereas most of my other dogs just go, He's ignoring me. I'm going to come back to you, Mum. Yes. But, you know, and she looks at you as almost as if she's checking out and you just give her a thumbs up, give her a nod and a smile. Yeah, go on, go on. You're doing good. You're doing good. And eventually she will, yeah, break him down until they talk to her, really, <laughs> and kind of bring him back bring him back into the process, yeah. really. Yeah. So she's real good. But none of them have had kind of therapy dog training. They're certainly not the best behaved dogs in the world, sadly. I often wish I could do more from a training perspective with them. Mm. But quite frankly, it's very hard to maintain it when they do as much work as they do as well. Yeah. Because they might work with eight or nine young people in a week that all do things very differently. Mm. So the timing's not going to be mine. So I concentrate on trying to train them kind of differently when I'm working with them to what we do when they're out. Yeah, yeah. 
so easy. I use Clicker when I'm doing stuff with her, but I don't let the young people use it because they just click like mad and yes. <laughs> blow a and brain. confuse it. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. They, they sound an amazing bunch. They really do. They um, are a good gang. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me um, more about the, the canine back on track because that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, we do some work with young offenders yeah. as well. Um, so that's about yeah trying to help young people get back on track. We do that for people that are both on um, intensive supervision orders, so they've either been in custody or are at risk of going to custody. And we also work a lot with the Antisocial Behaviour Partnership, so trying to get young people who are involved in antisocial behaviour but not offending, um, although it's a fine line, to be yeah. honest. Um, and they're, they're more therapeutic. They'll be a short-term programme designed to actually very clearly get them to think about their offending behaviour and that kind of stuff. Um, and we do visits to a secure unit. Um, we've been going there for a number of years. Obviously, they're different people most of the time. Mm. Um, they're different people there. But, but again, it's just about providing them with a positive activity, but also, for many of them, the only physical contact they're allowed to have yeah. for a long time. Yeah. You know, no hugs from family or friends or no physical contact or anything like that. So... Often they'll just you'll just find they just end up laying down cuddling the dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> quite yeah. often. So, and again, it's about trying to think about um, getting people to just have something worthwhile to do, really. And in America, they're way in front of us in these kinds of programs, really. And I'd really love to be involved in something like that. But the only one we've got going is in Scotland at the moment. So, mm. um, we did get some funding to run one in a local prison, but. And the prison was undergoing such a lot of change that that never happened. So, but yeah. again, the metaphor of working with rescue dogs. Yes. Second chance, not giving up, living in the moment, moving on. Yeah, making changes. It's never too late. All that kind of stuff is what really works for young people in that situation. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see how that you know that would just mesh perfectly, and yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and also uh, gives you a chance to challenge a lot of their beliefs about dogs and being a dog owner and what's acceptable and what isn't. So, yeah. you know, and again, that's harder because you, you might be kind of challenging a, gen, you know, multi-generational kind of approach to things. But yeah. um, mm. but we still have a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, th- there's so many active, well, so many projects that you, you do. We're yeah. not going to be able to sort of cover them all, go no. into them all in in the detail that they deserve really would you like to, to single out a, a sort of a couple of the other ones that you do to, to sort of tell people about i guess the cafe is probably we have a canine cafe talking dogs talking lives um and that's really for people that might feel a bit isolated or lonely but like dogs um come along to a cafe we run it once a week we've got a lovely dog friendly venue in our cathedral center really encourage us um, it started as a drop-in for people that had been on our programs that we got funding for. Hmm. But then when the funding runs out, there's no money to work with them. So you're expected to drop them, yeah. which always felt really uncomfortable for me. So I was ending up spending lots of time, which is fine, not getting paid for, but I can't afford to do all of that because no. I need to feed all the dogs, really, quite <laughs> apart from anything else. So um, I thought, oh, this is going to be the best way of allowing people to kind of meet and mesh and still keep those contacts going mm. um and that's how it started but it's developed from that because people bring other people along because we take people that come to visit have substantial mental health problems and mostly adults obviously because it's in the day and young people should be at school but it's just about everybody's over 19 um a lot of them have got substantial mental health problems some have learning difficulties support workers bring people along in wheelchairs who just you know, cheaper cup of coffee, stroke yeah. a dog, nice, warm, welcoming. It's just a place to be. And because yeah. I don't get any funding for it, um, I don't have to tick any boxes, really. So yeah. if four people come and we have a good session, that's great. And if we have 20 people and 10 dogs, that's also great. Yeah. And we're using it as a bit of a dog hub so people can... We have a dog trainer come in once every six weeks to offer free advice. We have a groomer come in on a different six-week to offer free nail clip, you know, ear check, eye clean and a little pamper and spray up and that yeah. kind of thing because it just encourages people to yeah. um, to kind of 
Oh, well, I, my dog's not got long hair. I don't need to go to the groomers. Well, actually, perhaps you still could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and actually she's coming here anyway, so you can, you know, and the dogs will end up smelling lovely and getting bows in their hair. And she's, you know, they're both, those people are both lovely people that kind of support the project as well. Yeah. But I think it's, as a model, it's just a really good one that is transferable to anywhere, really. Yeah. You know, anybody could do it with the right network of connections and, and a good venue, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it kind of links into, we've had money in the past for work from the Kennel Club, who were fabulous and gave us some money for, to, uh, that was a dog welfare service, which was about going out into the community and helping disadvantaged people who yeah. maybe couldn't afford to go dog training, struggled with vet's bills. Try, you know, basic behavioural advice, or sometimes quite complicated. I've got other people involved sometimes. Um, to, to offer the more complex advice, just to help people keep their dogs. Yes, yeah. So we use the cafe as a bit of a link back to that because the funding's run out for that now, but it, it's a place where people can still come and get some free support and advice. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you're doing a, a lot of good for, as you say, dogs and so many people. It's... Um, in, and in so many different ways, it's it's really inspiring, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, when I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, um, it is good. Unfortunately, we can't do as much of it as we of all of it, you know. So it doesn't all happen at the same time necessarily. But over a year, we'll be doing some of all of that. It just depends what schools are coming forward, you know, what people are actually asking for. We do dog phobia work as well, so. We work for families, really, whose children are dog phobic, so we're mm. helping with that. Um, yeah, we're doing, we're doing a lot of things, and I guess, I guess I'm probably not a good strategist, so I set the project up because I wanted to see how it would work. Mm. So I didn't have... I've never written a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> probably why it's not sustainable, but I haven't written a business plan because people come along and go oh, would you be interested in doing this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's have a go. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. quite an organic kind of thing, the way it's developed, I think, really. And just, yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, we didn't have any fixed ideas. But the, no. the, the fundamental core is just, yeah, bringing yeah. people and dogs together to create good outcomes for both, really. Yeah, I think, I think that's lovely. Now, you may not have written a business plan, but you have written a book. I did write a book, yeah. yeah. That was much easier than writing a business plan, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so tell me about the book so the book's called what a difference a dog makes the story of the, the tale sorry the tale of the yes. canine project <laughs> had to be tale not story um, yeah. and it, that's what it is really it's a little bit about how i set the project up some of the setbacks and difficulties that we've experienced um lots of positive inspirational stories you know about jamie and phil that i've been talking about tonight yeah. um some some more stories about the dogs that we've helped and a little bit more in detail about our dogs that have worked alongside other people uh and some yeah just just thoughts and and we've got two two chapters that are written by phil has written his own chapter really so i write a bit about from my perspective and then phil's written about the benefits of the project and how that's worked for him another young woman's written something in there as well so yeah. it covers most of what we do but very much it and people tell me it's very accessible because it's um short chapters <laughs> <laughs> and and uh the only way i knew how to write was to write as if i was sitting down having a cup of tea with someone and yeah apparently that's what it reads like so good good yeah, excellent so, so um yeah and yeah. uh, it's available on our website or allegedly on Amazon. <laughs> Although I think the printers have not doing a very good job of supplying the Amazon one, so I'm chasing that up at the moment. Okay. But it is available from our website and it's actually yeah. cheaper from us. So. <laughs> oh. so so where's the website? Where can people find out more? The website is www.thek9project.co.uk and K9 is the letter K and the number 9. Yeah. Smash not well, very original. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. The the idea is original. It doesn't, you know. Yeah, and that was our work in. That was it. Was either going to be called the Canine Project or the Dog Project because that's what we talked about. That's how we spoke about it when we were setting it up. You know, yeah. it was 
like, yeah, the canine project, the dog project. And when it came to it, I just thought, oh, I can't think of another name. <laughs> oh, well, it works. It does It does what it, it says works. on the tin, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I hope so, Julie, yeah. 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 Well, Chris, it, it's been fascinating. We, we haven't done justice to all the, the projects that you, you do under, you know, the, the canine project, but... Um, you know, we've given people a good taste and I, I do recommend they go and have a look at the website, you know, and, and find mm. out about the book as well. Um, the best of luck with the canine project. I hope it goes from thank strength to strength. Much. Okay. Thank you, Julie. That's fabulous. Thanks for your invitation. Cheers. And yeah, anyone can contact me if they want to know some more information through the website. I think the canine project is incredible and it's doing so much good for people and dogs. Don't ever let anyone tell you that one person can't make a difference because Chris Kent is proof that they can, along with her dogs, of course. For more information about the Canine Project, you can click through to their website or their Facebook or Twitter page from the Dogcast Radio site. Dogs don't enjoy being hugged as much as humans and other primates. Canines interpret putting a limb over another animal as a sign of dominance. Listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. If you've heard of black dog syndrome, you'll know that black dogs who end up in rescue can have a harder time finding a new family than dogs with a lighter coat. Now, as someone who's besotted with a black dog, I don't understand why black dog syndrome exists, and I certainly don't think it's fair. But when professional photographer Fred Levi heard about it, he decided to do something about it. He put his photography skills to good use and set about taking photos of black dogs which would bring out their beauty. Interestingly, rather than taking the shots against a contrasting background, he photographed the dogs against a black background and his studio was the basement of his house. When interest grew in his work, he decided to publish a book of his pooch portraits. The book... The Black Dog Project will be out later this year, but in the meantime, you can view Fred's stunning work at caninenoir.tumblr.com. And we have a link to that page from the Dogcast Radio website. So let's hope, thanks to Fred Levi, the future won't be quite so dark for black dogs. And if by any chance you have a gorgeous black dog too, do share a photograph of him or her with us. Dogs chase their tails for a variety of reasons. Curiosity, exercise, anxiety, predatory instinct, or they might just have fleas. If your dog is chasing his tail excessively, do talk to your vet. Dr. Elizabeth Freights is a clinical assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. She believes that getting a dog is one of the best things you can do for your health and she shares that belief in a new special health report. So, has Dr. Freights always been a fan of dogs? No, no, I haven't actually. In fact, I was afraid of dogs and avoided dogs for the majority of my life, really. Um, uh, when I was small, in my neighborhood, some friends had a uh, Doberman Pinscher, which, which was fine dog, except when we went skateboarding one day and it, it got a little bit riled up with our skateboarding and um, and went just, just for some reason really went for me um, and got my got my shoulder. So this is something that really stayed with me uh, for many years to the point that when I was jogging even as an adult, say at age 40, I'm jogging in my neighborhood, I would change uh, sides of the road if I saw a dog coming towards me. Mm. Um, so it was really um, jarring. And I married uh, my college sweetheart who grew up with dogs and loved dogs. So <laughs> it was really hard because he kept saying, oh, when do you think we'll get a dog? When do you think we'll get a dog? And I would say, I don't think we're getting one, honey. I really, I don't think that's going to happen. And then we had children, two boys. Hmm. Wouldn't you know, the strangest thing happens. We're in Nantucket. We're on the beach on vacation. And there's a little dog 
forgive me. I, I did, at the time I didn't, I don't know the type of dog. There's a small dog and it was barking, barking at us. And we were just walking by to set up our beach house. So of course I'm afraid. I'm sure I was sending off messages of fear, but mm. I, I grabbed my, my then three-year-old boy. I was with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I grabbed my three-year-old and I started sort of pulling him along. Well, sure enough, the dog goes straight for my three-year-old and grabs his swim trunks with his <gasps> teeth and then pulls off the dog. And so this only served to, you know, further enhance my uh, thought process around dogs being unpredictable, mm-hmm. scary, potentially dangerous. So I just went on my way. And as you may know, I'm a lifestyle medicine specialist and really have been working in the arena of health and wellness, well, for 30 years. So part of that is researching, continual research on what healthy habits can we embrace so that we add life to our years, not just years to our life. And I was doing some research one day um, at home, and I took some quiz, not a very academic or scientific quiz. I can't remember who who produced the quiz, but it was about your longevity, right? Mm. And so I, I put in all my data, so proud that I, I, I run and I, I eat healthy and all these things. And in the end it said, well, yes, you, you know, you're, you're younger than your stated age, but you could actually live longer if you got a dog. And then it mm. said, click here for information. So I clicked on it and I, and I said, Oh, this is fascinating. They're saying that dogs, are uh, uh, able to reduce stress levels. Dogs have been uh, connected with owners that have lower blood pressure and lower cholesterol levels. Hmm. Actually then doing a serious academic search into the literature by um, scientific researchers um, in in a process we call a a PubMed um, search search. public medical library where you can get online and, and start searching various articles. Hmm. So I did that and I, and I found a, a lot of very positive results. And so I, I mentioned it to my husband and he said, Oh, so you might be interested. And then, and then I said, well, yes, I, I think so. And, and before I knew it, it was Christmas Eve and there were dogs uh, up for adoption. <laughs> and he showed me a picture of a golden doodle dog. <laughs> this is how it happened. He, he, he said he researched gentle dogs that were good for people like me mm-hmm. that are afraid, just, just naturally have a fear. So he did a lot of research and, and he came up with this golden doodle. Um, so there was one, the cutest little thing on the computer and um, one is left, he said, and I really, it would be great for the boys. And, and so I, 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 I said yes. And, and I, I then, t- you know, I think the next morning said, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I, that was just, you know, the dog was cute, but I, I, I let, let's, not, let's not go forward, right? And he, he said, too late, already payment <laughs> in. There's no reimbursement. Done. It's a done deal. <laughs> okay. So... To be honest, it was a really, truly, truly one of the best things that I did, and it was very much out of my comfort zone. I think, well, let's see, I was 42 when I when I did it, and um, the beginning phase. Are you a dog owner? Yes, yes, we have three dogs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so you know. So for me, I, I had never owned a dog, but I, I understood the beginning a couple of months would be quite challenging. So I tried to reduce my work schedule and, and be able to be there for the dog. But the truth is, when that dog came off the plane, we got the dog from West Virginia. It was in a tiny little crate, right? The dog's name is Reese, mm. And she was so fearful in that crate. And I just had to hold her on the way home. Had to. I just wanted to. Yeah, hold her yeah. on the way home. And really, it was it was right there with the bonding, sort of right right there, holding her and trying to comfort her, knowing that she was missing, you know, her her mom dog and her and her siblings. Mm-hmm. So, and then I slept with her. I, I mean, it's really it mind boggling to think about, but I I, I was just so enamored enamored with her. I, I actually yeah. slept with her on the kitchen floor <laughs> the first night so that she would be 
<laughs> Anyone who knows me would think this is just so crazy because I was so sort of anti-dog. I was a cat person. And by the way, cats are very neat. You don't have to clean up poop. I mean, there's a number of reasons that I I, I gravitated to, to cats. Um, yeah, and, I, yeah. I, and I always, you know, I say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I couldn't walk the dog. I couldn't this, I couldn't that. You know, it just doesn't, it, it wouldn't work for me and all the dog hair and, and cleaning up all the dog excrement. I mean, that's just not part of my plan. Well, would you know, I, I firmly believe this dog has helped me in so many ways. So I, I bonded with Reese that first night. And then really, from there on, I, I, she is a constant uh, companion and a running mate. There was another thing. I was a runner, but, but with kids and then the work. And I started saying, oh, I better not run today. I've got this. Uh, deadline. I must meet the deadline, and I'll 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 forego my own uh, healthy habit for for meeting someone else's deadline. And so it was a little bit of a trick for me, knowing myself. If the dog has to run, I mm. will run with the dog because the dog has to run. And I find this in research too. People say you you know you'll see in reports. Um, that that people state, well, I needed to go out for the walk because, well, my dog really needed to get out. It hadn't been out all day. So it's yeah. a way of caring. If you're a caregiver, you know, it's your way of, of, of caring for someone else, but the benefit is, is directly to you as yeah. to the dog. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it's not even, you know, there that it ends because I became... Far more, um, by, by the way, it didn't take any extra time. I'm just as, as busy. I'm just as productive, <laughs> I, I, you know, at, with a dog as without. Really, it's silly to say the dog is too much uh, trouble, too much work, um, because they bring such joy. And after a run, you're so much more focused and productive. You can yeah. actually get a lot more work work done. But the best part of Reese, if you ask me, I mean, I don't, I can't say the best part. And a, a wonderful part of owning a dog that I had no idea about was this this dog owner socialization that occurred. <laughs> I, I, yes. I was blind to it, right? Because I never owned a dog, but yeah. I went and walked the dog through my neighborhood. I'd lived in that neighborhood for ten years, but mind you, I, I work pretty hard. I see my kids and I, you know, and I, I, I do my own thing. I'm not, I'm not actually out really, you know, socializing very much in general, like having lunch with people or, you know, that sort of thing. I'm really just at work and, and socializing there. So I didn't know a lot of people. So I went out with my dog and wouldn't you know, I, I'm not even making, exaggerating to you. People would stop their cars in the middle of the street in my town. It's a smallish town, but they would mm. stop, open the door and, and leave the door open so that it's actually, it's actually the, you know, it's the driver's side door. So it's, a, it's, it's going to obstruct the other driver coming the other way. And so I would say, oh, oh, can I help you? And they say, oh, I love that dog. What kind of dog? I have a dog. Where do you go? What dog park? Let's meet up at the dog park. I don't even know these people. And they're inviting me to dog parks. Right. And, yeah, and having yeah. doggy play dates. The best was an, an older woman stopped me. Same thing said, oh, I have a daughter. It looks like about your age. She just got a new dog. Do you think you would want to take walks with her or maybe meet her at a dog park? <laughs> These are complete strangers stopping yeah, yeah. me, trying to. And then the, then the ladies in the neighborhood, they were lovely. I, I always liked them. I mean, I, you know, I knew them a little bit. But I found out all about the ladies' nights. They would say, oh, Beth, you know, we're... We're getting together. Oh, they'd see me walking Reese, and they'd say, "Oh, we're getting together tonight. Do you want to come over?" And I became so much more popular because I had Reese. I I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just having the dog. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. They're they are so good for us. Yes, yes. And I actually took my 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 then a uh, 12-year-old boy, my oldest, who who was a little shy. I mean, you know, he's just 12. So um, I took him to the dog park, actually specifically because I knew people would say to him, what kind of dog is that? How long have you had her? What is she like? And, and encourage him to socialize with these amazing, lovely, wonderful dog owners. And it, re- and it worked. He was yeah. out there. He was talking with everybody. And, um, and he loved it. 
He loved it. He wanted to go oh, there. Oh, brilliant. Um, brilliant. So, yeah. So, and then with the boys, the way they snuggle with her and love <laughs> her and, um, you know, the, the way they speak to her is a completely different way that they speak to me or my husband, um, you know, or my mother who currently lives with us. She's, she's 83. They get to let a, a very loving, sensitive piece of themselves out um, yeah. around, around Reese. Yeah. So yeah. that's a long-winded way of saying <laughs> I I I can't tell you how much I I I know uh of the benefits of the dog personally but then also in the research arena um that that backs all this up with scientific evidence. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to say, so you, you experience this yourself and with family members as well. And it, it is amazing. And I always, because yeah. my, my husband isn't as, wasn't as into dogs as I was. And then, you know, we had my Labrador. Yeah. And it's a very hard heart that if you walk in the door and the dog is so obviously pleased to see you. And it's like you've made his day just by coming yeah. home. You know, what else could you yeah. want, really? You know. So, I mean, you've experienced, yeah. The yeah. dog, the wagging. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, so you, you'd experienced that personally. Um, is that what led you to sort of look yeah. into the science behind it? Well, really, you know what? Um, yeah, I, but the first reason I looked into the science behind it was back to that little longevity quiz I took, wondering if truly what they were saying in this kind of non-academic longevity quiz was valid. I was sort of testing the validity of that of that longevity quiz. Um and that's when I stumbled on on all the research. Um and then then after having the dog um uh um and uh enjoying the benefits myself, going back to the research and seeing it uh, with a no a new eye. So it was really both um yeah. both experiences that mm-hmm. led me to the data. Um, and I, I guess because it was the data that convinced me to get a, a dog, I think we all are, uh, we, we have motivators, internal motivators, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe yours is not the same as mine. Um, and maybe just for you, um, if a friend of yours has a dog and you love that dog, that would be motivating enough. I'm really kind of data-driven and so if I see data on something, it gets me excited to make a change. And I know there's people like me. And so I thought, well, if we can get to those people, because probably they're, if they don't own, have a dog, there are reasons, like my, my reasons for not mm-hmm. owning a dog. And if I can show them reasons, reasons for their health, concrete, concrete reasons why the dog would be beneficial you know, perhaps they might even change in their, in their readiness to change um, state. So, so, you know, there's pre-contemplators. That's where I was. I'll never have a dog. You've got to be kidding me. They're dangerous. They're unpredictable. They could be harmful. Um, and then you go to contemplation. I may, I might. You know, that's when my husband sort of got me when I said, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm maybe. And then there's preparation. I want one. I'm going to get one. I'm just going to look into breeders. And mm. then, and then there's action. I've got the dog. And then there's maintenance, like you. I've got three dogs. I love them. I'll always have one. <laughs> yeah. And that's me now. I'm maintenance. Oh my gosh, I'm maintenance for sure. <laughs> but this publication, I think, because we also had a vet um, editor, was so good for any stage of change that that you might you might be in. Um, any openness or readiness for a dog, even if you were, again, in action, because it does help you, because mind you, there are people who own dogs that don't walk them. They don't, mm. they don't go out and walk the dog, um, and they have obese dogs and obese owners. So this book sort of hit that population um, mm. in a sensitive way, in a compassionate way to describe why uh looking at your dog's food and your dog's weight is important for their longevity, for their enjoyment in life, and for yours. And then most dog owners have a real companionship. So realizing the two of you, obese dog and obese uh, owner, could actually go on this journey together, 
like if you saw the Connie story, it was on page 12 of our report, where she inherited her parents' mastiff. I don't know if you recall this one. Yeah. A massive dog that she didn't, yeah, she didn't really even want in the beginning. Meanwhile, they became great friends. And then she got really interested in the dog's health and her health. And they both lost 30 pounds. (laughs) <laughs> Each of them lost thirty pounds on their and their healthy pursuits, you know, and they're and they're so proud. Dog yeah. owners are usually so proud when the dog gets healthy. I, I, almost more proud about the dog and the dog's health as as their own, although they're proud of their own accomplishments too. So yeah. I think um, it's really clear that um, the combination and the connection with the dog is so powerful. However, you might have also seen in the report. Even people who are doing a service to walk shelter dogs, um, you know, there was a great, there's a great research center of human and animal interactions, which is at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of research on human-animal interactions, very interesting work they do. They took 26 people and they put them into a study called Walking for Healthy Hearts Project. And 13 of those people did a 50-week program, and they lost 14 pounds on average. 13 of the subjects did a 26-week program, and they lost about 5 pounds on average. What's so fascinating is the only thing they changed during this study Hmm. was that they would walk these dogs. These were public housing residents. They were encouraged to walk uh, certified therapy dogs. So they weren't given any information on diet or nutrition or anything. They just said, you know, it would be great if you could walk these dogs. And they even started just walking three days a week for 10 minutes. They did try to ramp up and gradually got up to five days a week for 20 minutes. Mind you, think of that. That's not that long. Five days a week for 20 minutes. And all of that. And all of that weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. About 14 pounds in a year or five pounds in, you know, in, in, um, in 26 weeks. So, so I find it fascinating because in my work of trying to empower people to embrace health, healthy lifestyles, which includes physical activity, we, we in the U.S. have an epidemic, actually a sedentary behavior. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that, that's basically just a lot of sitting throughout yeah. the day. And that could yeah. be driving, looking at the computer, reading, writing, sitting in your office. Um, and, and we know this is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, our number one killer. And the idea is to try to encourage people to move more. And a dog is a perfect way, a perfect buddy, companion, to get yourself more mobile. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's a huge piece for me because I'm constantly trying to encourage people to to like movement, to enjoy physical activity, you know, through hula hooping or, or walking with friends instead of, you know, necessarily going, going out to lunch. You can do that, but why don't you take a walk afterwards, you know, walking together. And so walking your dog um, and walking with a friend who has a dog is also a wonderful way um, to experience movement and the joy of movement. It's, it's joyful. It, it shouldn't be a chore, this yeah. movement. So usually when you're with your dog, quite frankly, it's very joyful because they're so joyful. They're just walking, wagging, wagging, (laughs) wagging, prancing, prancing, smelling, sniffing. Oh, oh, it's all so exciting, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And and so it's it's joyful just being being out with a dog. Yeah. What I like about the, well, one of the aspects I like about the report is that um, you do point out that, you know, living with a dog, having your own dog is is hugely beneficial, but it's also, um, you you can still get the benefits by, if you don't own your own dog. Right, right. And that goes to that study with the public housing residents that were encouraged to to actually mm. walk the certified therapy dogs, but that's not going to be everyone's case. However, mm. I can tell you from personal experience, in our neighborhood, there was a woman who was ill, and she had a dog. Um, so the, all the neighborhood um, moms signed up to walk the dog morning and afternoon. So they didn't mm. have dogs. I know a lot of people whose children wanted dogs, 
but the mom, the da- the mom and dad in the family didn't want the dog, so they would sign up to walk the dog, um, the you know the neighbor's dog who needed help. That's one way. You can even do this for people who are working and have dogs. You can ask if you can walk the dog in the afternoon. Um, and, and, and be helping a neighbor this way. Now you can also go to an animal shelter. They love when volunteers come to, and say, oh, you know, would it be possible for me to walk a dog? And it's great because the dog desperately wants the connection and the socialization and the physical activity. And, and you know, research has shown that if a dog goes out for a walk with a human and it's an, an you know it's a positive experience with the petting and the talking and the walking they actually come back less anxious and if they do this routinely the dogs who are in shelters and sometimes can be anxious for a variety of reasons their anxiety will reduce and you can test this scientifically with the cortisol levels in their saliva mm. so it's not just that you think the dog is less anxious you actually know that the dog has lower cortisol levels so it benefits the dog and it benefits the person who is doing the walking and you don't have to own that dog and in fact you're doing a huge service by uh, going to a shelter and asking to uh, walk the dog there when they when they need it mm. um, but borrowing a friend's dog in fact I as a practitioner with my um, health and wellness coaching clients, if my clients are agreeable, and actually all of them have been agreeable, I take Reese with me, and I walk my dog with my clients, and they get the benefit, of course, of the walk, which we do regardless, rain, snow, um, you know, sunshine, um, and they also get the benefit of petting and watching this gleeful uh, dog bounce around wagging her tail. So um, if a dog owner has a job such as mine, you know you can share the, the health, share the happiness by bringing your, your dog on walks with uh, clients. If, again, if they're amenable, I would have said no uh, before the age of 42, if someone said, can I take my dog with us on this walk? I said, you know, that would make me very uncomfortable. I'd be, I'd be afraid actually, if we walked with the dog, so could we not? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another, another way, um, to expose people to the joy and the benefits of dog walking, um, without yeah. owning the dog. Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating report, and I do like the fact that you've looked at um, the way dogs benefit. It's not just the humans benefiting, so I I really like that. Obviously, as a dog lover, that that means a lot to me. Um, You've you've covered just about everything, I think, there, and I I didn't even have to ask many questions, so that was brilliant. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add? (laughs) Um, You know, one thing I think I've thought about this, a lot since writing the report and having Deo um, connect me with different, you know, interviewers, and I've really thought about it quite a bit. And I, I feel like a dog helps with whole person wellness. It helps the body, the mind, and the spirit. It helps mm-hmm. the body by reducing cardiovascular disease, um, by decreasing our levels of stress. Um, we can see lower levels of cortisol. We can see oxytocin um, in uh, after petting a dog or even when a dog gazes at you. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. It's, it's, it's also one that makes us feel good. Um, and, and, and that really helps with our, with our body uh, and our mind. And then with our spirit, you know, the connection that we have with that dog and then with others as we're walking the dog and Mm -hmm. a sense of purpose. I think I see this a lot with my mom, who's 83 now and Mm -hmm. um, lives with us, as I mentioned. And she um, gets up and lets the dog out, gets the dog food and is talking with the dog because often I'm busy working. Mm-hmm. But she's with the dog and, and really talking to the dog like, you know, well, like we all do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The way I do, as if, you know, she completely understands the person. And it helps her, I think, too, with um, companionship, but also a sense of purpose. I need to get the water 
for Reese. I mean, the dog needs the water, the dog needs the food, and she she does that, you know, and it really helps her get a uh, contribute. Um, yeah. Um, so I feel like their dogs are such a perfect um, vehicle for whole person wellness, and they're really the best buddies for healthy habits that I that I know. Um, you know, sometimes people won't want to go for the walk or the jog. They may be sick. They may just not feel like it. They may, but a, really, a dog has never. My dog has never stood at the door with her leash on and me holding the leash and and refused to go out the door. No, no, yeah. never in yeah. five years. She's always, <laughs> you know, and, and also, I mean, she's never been really. You know, she's always there for you. You yes. know, always there for you. Um, yeah, yeah, and loyal. Um, Mm. So I just think this whole person wellness, it's, 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 it's not, yes, they, they, they increase your level of physical activity, and that's critical, and it's very, very important to me in my professional life. But it's beyond that. It's beyond that. It's, it's really every, it's, it's body, mind, and spirit that the dog uh, enhances for you. Um, yeah, yeah. I do hope that people use the report. For example, if my husband had shown me this report, for example, when mm. I was, I don't know, 28 even, I honestly probably would have considered getting a dog earlier if I had mm. seen it. So piece of me, it's a mission to share the joy that I have had with Reese. And by the way, all dogs. Now I stop and all dogs. It doesn't even matter what kind <laughs> of dog it is. I, I must pet the dog. I must get right down on my hands and knees, literally, and, and, mm. and pet a dog that I see. I can't help myself. I go towards them. You know, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's a matter of sharing that joy and and hopefully encouraging others to take a step out of their comfort zone too. Like I did it, you mm. know, um, and 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 it it worked well for me. Funny enough, three women who were moms at my boys' school when I got the dog, they said, "Oh." I can't believe you got a dog. Oh, and you're so busy and you work and you have this and how could you get a dog? I w- they said, seriously, I will never get a dog. These three women specifically. Funny mm. enough, wouldn't you know, all three got a dog. And, and now one has two. Because their boys came to play with my boys at my house with the dog. And they had their boys talked and talked and talked about the dog. You know, and eventually they apparently caved too. But had I given them the report, Back, back that many years, say four years ago, they probably would have gotten the dog even earlier. Um, so yeah, that's part of my mission is to try to encourage people to take a different view. Um, and you have to spend time with dogs really to understand them. I, I just never spent time because I was so afraid and I, I was so avoidant. I never really sat with dogs to really to really see that they're, they're not vicious. I mean, maybe mm. they will become protective. Uh, you know, and, and, and riled up in, in very unusual circumstances, like a skateboarding frenzy of sorts, right? Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or, or if they're, if they're feeling threatened, you know, I mean, it's a very rare occasion that they're yeah. going to do such a thing. Mm. Yeah. No, so I'm just I mean, hopeful that more people will adopt dogs, you know, because I, 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 it's very hard for me to think about, about dogs being euthanized. It's very, very hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so if we can, get more adoptions I, I would love that I'd love that too and I also love the fact that Dr. Freight's found dogs in a roundabout way but that she's really enjoying all the joy they can offer us and of course she's spreading that joyful message with the authority of her medical background thrown in we have a link to the Harvard website where you can buy a copy of Dr. Freight's report which is called get healthy get a dog If you leave your dog a piece of clothing that smells like you, the scent will comfort them and it may help prevent separation anxiety. I'm sorry to have to report that Buddy's had more surgery. He's had lumps removed from his face, just under his right eye, his left hip and his left foot. With his history of mast cell tumours, of which he's had four, we couldn't take any chances, and we're currently awaiting the results of analysis of the lumps, hoping that they all prove to be benign. Just time left to give you a quick reminder that you've still got a couple of weeks left to enter our Woof competition. If you visit our Facebook, Twitter or Tumblr page, you can find out how you could win yourself a copy of the only board game in the world that your dog can join in. So, 
Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What do you get when you cross a dog and a calculator? A friend you can count on.